You know, Hannah, I keep trying, but you keep making me feel jerked around. Jerked around how? Manipulate. That's the way I feel, very manipulated. Yeah, I stick up for you to your mother, and you make me look like a fool. Yeah, but how can I be manipulating you if I don't even know I'm being manipulative? You spent a lot of time as a kid inventing reasons not to go to school, and damn it if that hasn't lasted well into your adult life. I had scarlet fever. It's not my fault that no one believed me. I could diagnose it myself from reading Louisa May Alcott. I will say that I'm, I'm I'm not doing Dry January because I don't care, but this is a millennial mocktail. Uh-huh. It's seltzer with one of those Trader Joe's. It's ginger. sewer water. Why is it green? Because it has one of, um, do you know those like little sh- juice shots from Trader Joe's that are their knockoff versions of the expensive like immunity shots or whatever? Yes. Okay. So I added ginger shot to it. And Miralax. <laughs> what? <laughs> because I have problems. Oh, no. Okay. So that's my mocktail. I thought you were going to do the TikTok thing of like the tart cherry with magnesium. Oh, what, the like adrenal cocktail? No, fuck that. This is this is for my IBS. <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway, okay. Hello and welcome to the season two finale of Girls Girls, your weekly recap podcast, doing a rewatch of HBO's Girls. I'm Rourke here with my co-host, Sarah Beth. Can you believe it? End of season two. So before, do you want to talk about this before or after we discuss the episode, the arc of season two? Let's talk about it at the top. I think it's an interesting topic. So. My takeaway, I would not call this a sophomore slump. I would not say that season two is quote unquote worse than season one. I would say it's a lot darker. It felt sadder. It's definitely sadder. I think my problem is that I feel like with season two, it ends on this like artificial high that doesn't match the tone of the rest of the season. So there's a little bit of dissonance there. Maybe that's intentional. Yeah. To give season three like a little oomph to reset. I wonder how much of it is like things outside of the writer's room control. Maybe Charlie's, the thing with the actor with Charlie, and this is like outside the show, so maybe it's poor form, but like all that stuff was happening. So they were trying to see like what they could do with that and see how they could salvage that. Yeah, and I'm wondering too, you know, what did Jemima Kirk have going on at this time? Could she not film? Yeah. You know, stuff like that. So, of course, there is some, you know, form or like function di- dictates form a little bit where there are like the requirements of life and not everything is a purely creative decision. But generally and, you know, in if I take a step back, for example, I would say that, you know, I have a certain friend in L.A. where both she and I have been kind of like going through a tough period where both of us are just like not feeling great. And, you know, certain aspects of our life are going well. I would not say that zero cylinders are firing. Like both of us have good, you know, work environments right now, but heavy ones. And then other stuff about our lives is kind of making us like feel really like in our flop era and like pushing people away, crying a lot, you know, like kind of like, you know, anhedonic vibes. And so it's not to say that this show, I think, is trying to imitate life to some degree. And I think our girls are just it's Picasso and they're in their blue period. (laughs) Well, well put. Thank you. I think that's true. I I don't mind it being dark because I think the writing and I think Lena Dunham is, as we've said, like throughout the podcast episodes for this season, she's very talented at peppering in levity. Mm-hmm. But I don't know, like I did, I I like this season ender, and then I didn't. I just felt like it for all of the experimentation throughout the season. It just felt like a, you know what? Shut up, everyone, giving me a hard time about this show. Fine, you want it to be like fucking happy, happy, happy. Here you go. And like, that's what she did. I don't know. I, I, 
it didn't really land for me, but I, you know, there other part there were parts of the episode that I thought were well done. I don't know. I liked we'll get to it. I liked this a lot. Okay. I cannot tell you, Sarah Beth, how I sobbed at the end. Oh my god. But as we've established, I'm the crier. <laughs> when she when she cut her own bangs, because I was that was so good. in hysterics. Oh my god. That was so good. I loved the I don't think I was supposed to cut that one. <laughs> You always go one hair too too many. Like with eyebrows too, this is a struggle. Yeah. So, wait, you've you've had bangs, right? I've known you with bangs. You met me. With yeah, bangs. there we go. Bangs, man, they seem like a great idea. And they are for approximately two days out of your bang cycle. And the rest of it is like a nightmare, a complete nightmare. Yeah. I had bangs for years, actually. And I would frequently trim them on my own, but I would be very, very cautious about it. And I thank God never fucked it up, but it's treacherous. Anyways, so she goes past bangs and ends up with a bowl cut from Laird, but you know, we'll get there. This episode is called Together, and we've already talked about it a little bit, but if you had to uh, create a logline for it, what would you say? Things come to an emotional head for Hannah as she struggles to deliver these pages amidst a mental illness like emergency yeah that was good that was solid um i feel like i'm trying to be too philosophical as to the title um given it's called like together i would say the finale brings us connections that we celebrate and share concern over as well as some disconnections that were long time coming <laughs> I feel like this season, this episode was like a level set for the next season. Like they wanted to clear the board and like get back to like start. Yeah. They're in very different places with these people. But to your point, it's in a way a return to season one Mm -hmm. where Hannah's kind of like looking to Adam to be her savior. Yeah. It's a different form, but it's the same thing. You know, Shoshana's going to like forge out ahead solo and do her thing marnie's back with charlie jess is mia so like we really are back at like season one episode one to some degree mm-hmm. so the episode starts and i i would like to call it a tale of three beds <laughs> where in hannah's bed she's kind of going through this ear t- you know do you remember those ear tests at the doctor uh-huh. yeah she's like doing her own little ear test and it's interesting i i, I feel like this is i would have to think back more thoroughly or like really look into it. But I feel like this is the first time they've kind of like put us in a character's POV. Cause like the way that we are experiencing the audio is her experience of audio. Yeah. It's like disorienting the viewer the same way she's disoriented. I think that's well-placed. I think it kind of sets the mood for her story. And a thought that I had while watching this is coming from like coming from somebody who lives alone and enjoys living alone this girl needs a fucking roommate. She needs a caretaker. You know, like that's that's an exaggeration, but she like needs somebody looking out for her. And I really think she is somebody that is not well served by like being able to hide this stuff from people. No, this is clearly like when Elijah moves out, it's like the beginning of her cascading down into this mental illness. Yeah, exactly. She obviously has a more she has sort of a different impetus for kind of like this Google spiral that she goes on. And it's obviously this feeling of being unclean and sick and kind of hypochondria. But I cannot tell you like the amount of times I've Googled things like how much hair is it appropriate to lose in the shower? (laughs) Oh, a hundred percent. Her Googles were, or her WebMDs or whatever she was, uh, Cora. It's like very relatable like what did she write at the end normal tongue normal tongue cackle- yeah i was cackling what she wrote that because it's like so funny to me yeah that was a really good one so then she like kind of hides under the covers eight times and unsurprisingly she has not turned in any further pages to the editor who is just looking at a google image of chloe sevigny so weird Although at the time, I do feel like there was a strange like alt fascination with Chloe Sevigny. I I don't know. I kind of find her. I I find her intriguing. I like her. Yeah, she's funny. Um, She was on that show Big Love. No, she was great. I think she's an excellent actress. She is indeed. So then we sort of set up the stakes for Hannah at this point where and still, you know, still with humor, we learn that as expected, she's been given an advance 
And mm-hmm. um, he asks if she has spent that check. And she said it would be hard to know if it was that check or another <laughs> check. <laughs> and I'll I think, have to check. Yeah. And I think we've talked about this person on this podcast before, but it's giving Caroline Calloway. Yeah. And the the editor, publisher, whatever this man is to her, says, no pages, we sue you. Don't make me be that guy. Yeah. And then she says, I'm going to write a book in a day. <laughs> like, no, you're not. <laughs> oh, my God. This is, like, frightening to me, This the way it's escalated. It's bad. And it's it's something that I query whether it actually reveals to me how good of a job Lena Dunham does in this story that this doesn't make me crazy because one of my least favorite tropes in media are things that could be resolved by just telling the truth. Like just mm-hmm. fucking open your mouth. And mm-hmm. so in right now, I really feel like if she said something other than I've sustained an injury to my ear, which sounds like dog ate my homework and mm-hmm. said, you know, I can provide doctor's notes. I am suffering from a severe incidence of a lifelong mental illness that I believe he would be legally required to give her an extension. I also feel like he would say, hmm, tell me more about this. Maybe this can be the topic of your of your story. Totally. Yeah. yeah. And so she seems to, as we watch her, and I think this is true to life, people often do this, fight symptoms, not causes. Mm-hmm. And she looks for these strange kind of ways to avoid the ramifications rather than just like addressing the root and potentially resolving it. Also, they're going to sue her. What she doesn't have any money. So, what money are they going to get back? It's a yeah. That, that yeah. That's an absurd part. I mean, the, what they would do is they would probably garnish her wages, and they would get it as like over over time. But I also find it like if I met Hannah, I'm not sure I would give her an advance on anything. No, <laughs> especially as her first like publication, I would be like, mm, why don't you give it to us, and then we'll give you the the check. Yeah, which obviously is belies in advance but (laughs) um correct correct. anyway i'm splitting hairs here on like what this asshole should have done but whatever totally well hopefully you know we don't really see how this resolves presumably it does but anyway we cut to our next bed and of fucking of course marty and charlie are having sex he's going down on her and he says or i'm sorry she says how did you get so good at this no seriously How many people did you sleep with since we broke up? Which is like, shut the fuck up. Also, like Mr. Bobbing for apples down there. Like, come on. Is it that good? (laughs) I mean, (laughs) how do they do this? Do they? I've heard that they like wrap the person in like saran wrap. Is that right? Did I make that up? No, there's way more than saran. Well, I would hope there's way more than saran wrap. Uh, There has to be some like protective barrier that's like thick because that is totally mortifying if that's not and maybe there wasn't and that's why we have like sensitivity people on set now a friend of mine is a is a producer she makes um hallmark and lifetime movies actually and Hmm. yeah and my dream is to be invited to the christmas party but whatever that would be amazing i would die is is Lori loft lachlan forgiven yet is she back in the hallmark universe i don't think so i don't think so i think it's all candace cameron beret Oh, another loony. A loon. Yeah. She's a loon for sure. (laughs) Anyway, so during when things were still kind of like peak COVID protocol, but they were trying to get the film Mm -hmm. industry restarted, they had to kiss through a plate glass window. And then they would, uh huh, like a giant, like thick piece of like plate glass. And then they would, so it was like, "Mm." and then they would remove the plate glass in post. (sighs) This is just like ridiculous. Yeah, totally. It was insane. But they, and she said it was so expensive to do all that stuff. Anyway, there was, before we move on from this ridiculous and cringeworthy scene of them together, Marnie is wearing a very of the era outfit, which is a Mark by Mark Jacobs uh, dress that I owned that print in a skirt. Love. And that was an excellent uh, era for Mark by Mark Jacobs. So just shouting that out. Yeah. And I mean, gosh, we've seen Diana Furstenberg, Mark Jacobs, like really the sort of those were the kind of in our grasp upper tier 
yeah. designers of that time. Or it's like that felt like like luxury for our age group. Like she's she's a well costumed character. Yeah, she it definitely you're right. Like it's one of those like not out of reach luxuries. Like I remember spending like a big chunk of money of my paycheck to get like the dress in that print because I needed like a party outfit. I didn't have anything. And it was like a lot of money for me. So I definitely did have to save for it, but I could buy it on my shitty like early salary, 22 year old salary. Yeah. Oh, good memories. So then we flip to a very different type uh sexual encounter, um, which is Shoshin Ray. Ugh, and it's so bad. And she's like, can you just finish? And he's like, well, I, I don't want to finish if you're not going to. And she's like, oh, well, uh, well, then we're fucking stuck. So <laughs> I guess. Please exit me. Yeah. What does she say? Yeah. Something like that. <laughs> it's interesting that she. She says, your lack of ambition is wearing on me. Do we think this is the real problem or is this just like one of the problems? I think it's one of the problems. I also think it's kind of playing into the main problem, which she feels like he's not going anywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree with that. Where I think that I would, if I were to rephrase her problems with Ray, Mm -hmm. is I would say she's using the word ambition. And what she means is... My life is taking off Mm -hmm. and your life seems stunted and you're X amount of years older than me. Mm -hmm. And I think it's fair to conclude that those are irreconcilable trajectories. She ends up saying something to that effect later, right? Like when they break up, when they actually break up. So I think you're, you're spot on there. Thank you. And then, oh wait, it's a tale of four beds. It's Adam and Natalia having sex next. Jesus. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. So I I will fully admit I came into this episode thinking that they had like broken up. I was like kind of surprised. Me too. um, To see that they were still together. Because this was like a nothing scene. It was just like back to like what she likes, but it was so uncomfortable. Yes. And this, I actually think, describe this scene actually gets at more what I was saying last episode, where mm-hmm. like, he doesn't think you're a whore, dude. Like, yeah. I, I really don't, I really don't, I, I genuinely don't believe that. That I, I really think that like, you can engage in dirty talk playfully that does not reveal what you think of that person in your daily life. And, Like, that's where I'm like, chill. I agree with you intellectually. In (laughs) practice, I don't like this. Wait, really? I don't, I don't, I no enjoy, no spark joy. (laughs) (laughs) Like, everything Adam does is like a giant red billowing flag in my face. Okay, fine. No, no, this is my problem. That's why I'm saying intellectually, I agree with you. And I think really, really what I'm saying is, Frankly, what I'm saying is they are sexually incompatible. Yes, that that is the answer. Yeah, they should not date. So Hannah then is. Is she in like a Dwayne Reed? Doesn't matter. Yeah. Or no, her dad's in her. It's her dad. Her dad's in the farm. He's in a pharmacy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or hardware store. Yeah, somewhere. Yes. So Hannah calls her dad and she explains that she's late with wait late with her pages and also, she explains, like, he, he asks, like, are you taking your medication? How are you doing? And she's talking about her ear. And he immediately wants to wait to have the conversation until her mom can be on the line. I know. Like, this is just, he is such a frustrating character. Yeah. So frustrating. Like, dude, take a stand, be a parent. And I don't believe that you stick up for Hannah with the mom. Like, I just don't believe it. You are a doormat to everyone around you. Totally agreed. Um, what does he call her though? Um, she's a medical hobbyist. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that was funny. How crazy was that rule? Like is the Scarlet fever reference after we just talked about that? We just talked about this. So when I saw it, I was like, (gasps) Rourke, Rourke had the shining. Like she, she guessed it. <laughs> was that not insane? Yeah. And we just talked about it. I forgot what episode. Anyway, that yeah. was crazy. And yeah. also like his response to her was crazy, I think. Yes. So let's talk about that. If you were Hannah's parent receiving this call, what do you do? I would say to her, I will 
pay back the advance, but you have to move home until you're better. Yeah. Like the money and bailing her out would be contingent on her moving back home where I could like keep an eye on her as she sought medical attention to recover from this OCD episode. And if she couldn't commit to that, then I would say then I can't bail you out because it's just giving you money and then you will repeat the same problems. Yeah, I think that that's I actually think that's a completely reasonable solution. I will kind of like save you from your misdeeds, but then you have to like move home and pay me back in some sort of installment plan. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's really reasonable. And then alternatively, I think I would probably say something to the effect of what I said at the top of this podcast, which is like, have you tried telling them what's actually going on? Mm -hmm. Getting a doctor's note or, you know, X, Y, Z, whatever. Because like I said, like helping walk her through how to solve the problem herself. Yeah, that's that's also another viable option. Because I do think that you can't police an adult, really. But it is, you know, to the conversations we've been having about how our parents would react. The idea that your child is like claiming to follow all of the medical direction they're they're getting, such as taking certain medication, and yet they are still sticking a Q-chip through both eardrums to even themselves out. Mm-hmm. Uh, you immediately don't believe them. Like, that's crazy that he's like, well, that's then you're doing all you can. Are you fucking kidding me? It's just really disappointing. I just feel like he doesn't want to hear any bad stuff. And he's very self-involved into whatever he's doing. And he also keeps passing the buck to the wife to be the constant bad cop. Yes, completely. Very frustrating. Um, I'm realizing I'm inadvertently going chronologically instead of by gal. But here we are. We're committed. Marnie and Charlie are at brunch. Are they at Roberta's? Yes, they are at Roberta's. Okay. Do you remember do you, we did your birthday there? Yeah, my 25th birthday was at Roberta's. That was so fun. Um, it's giving, like, uh, Charlie kind of comments on, you know, like, we're at brunch. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, Marnie says that they've settled down and they're old fogies now and that this is what she's trying to tell Hannah. And he kind of looks jilted by this <laughs> comment. And she actually kind of surprisingly in that she didn't read a single face during the Kanye performance scene. She pretty tactfully picks up on his reaction and says, are you trying to tell me that we're not dating? Marnie, Marnie, Marnie. Yeah. And I did find this like pretty fucking funny. I really wish I could witness something like this at brunch in real time. Cause it's like, Oh, a meal and a show. So, yeah, I love a public breakup or public fight. I don't know if so I when I lived in New York, I lived in the like Chelsea area and I would, you know, booth Jonathan be damned, walk the high line. And mm-hmm. I would that was a very popular breakup spot. <gasps> really? And so I would witness like a lot of breakups on the high line. I think because people oh are like, God. let's go for a walk. And then oh, they do no. it in public so the other person like can't totally fucking flip out or something. And so, oh, yeah, no. I saw a lot of breakups. It was great. Um, if you could put a number to it, what do you think the number is? I would say at least six. Wow, that's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. As Sorry, total side story. I, speaking of dinner and a show, I organized the the law school. So I went to USC Law. And obviously that's in LA. And so for all the people that went there at my law firm every summer, when we have like our summer interns, I am responsible. I'm like the alumni organizer for like the dinner at the Mm -hmm. end of the summer. And we go to this like, yeah, it's it's fun. The years that I've planned it, I like to go to this like pretty casual place where like there are picnic tables and like, it's, it's just like easy. And Mm -hmm. the atmosphere is really fun. Um, They have great food. Um, It's just like a great vibe and like not to like sit down. People can kind of move around, talk to different people, whatever. Right. It's a great scene. Like I said, this place, like this place is no, it's known for like it's sausages. It's called worst Kuka if anyone's interested. And it's great. Anyway, they sell food, but they also are known for their like German beers and whatever. Okay. So there was, there were two tables like next to us. One had a family with some young kids Mm -hmm. and one Mm -hmm. had people in probably their thirties who were really drunk and it was only 6 PM. Fantastic. Yeah. On like a school night. And the person, the one of the people in the drunk group was telling a very loud story with a lot of inappropriate words. 
and Mm -hmm. like just kind of being gross. And Mm -hmm. the, a parent of one of the children said like, Hey, I know we're in a public place. Like we've taken our kids here. We've made this choice. Please tell your story, but can you just like keep it to a normal volume? Totally appropriate ask. I thought it was like really as nuanced as could be. A normal person would respond by saying, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. We will stop talking as loudly. Does not happen here. Of course not. (laughs) They wind up in a very funny fight where all of us lawyers are like, this is kind of like a lawyer fight because (laughs) the drunk people say back, we don't have to talk quietly. It's your fault. You brought your kids to a bar and they go, it's a restaurant. (laughs) And the other end of the drunk people go, it's a bar. (laughs) And so they just start screaming at each other about what it is. And then eventually both sides, it does escalate. And the drunk guy slams his glass stein down on the picnic table and shatters it and like comes after the family. And then he got escorted out. What? He does like one of those cartoon like bar fight moves. Yeah, it was really crazy. And then after like the hubbub cleared, um, I like stood up and was like, and I also organized a performance for everybody. Like, <laughs> wow, well done. Did Thank that you. get a lot of laughs? It did. It did. It really hit. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was my brief moment in comedy. Okay, moving on. So kind of similarly, she screams for all to hear. I'm sorry I never imagined that you and I would be having casual sex. He said, that's loud. And when she gets up, I love this line. And I really think as a woman who dates men, I should say this more. I would offer to pay, but that would be insulting. And you re- <laughs> oh my god it was so good but then it really takes a bizarre turn oh no it doesn't make sense i don't think it makes sense and i get the feeling so she storms out he follows her and they end up i guess like in the kitchen as is that like do you walk through the kitchen i don't really remember that it's like the the inside show area where you watch them making pizzas got it she says this has been the worst year of my life says, I didn't know that. Da, 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 da. She kind of gives, um, you know, the famous like Meredith Grey speech. Mm-hmm. It, it, she kind of gives her own version of that. Um, mm-hmm. Like, I want you. I'm a mess, but I want you. I want to um, I want to see you every day and make you snack and have your babies and do something until you die. She said something weird. Like, I want to have your dark babies. She said, have your like, brown mm-hmm. babies. Is he not white? Oh, yeah, Is he not white? That's even worse. Yeah. It's weird. So weird. I don't know. Um, And then he, this makes him weak in the knees. And he says, that's all I ever wanted to hear. I love you. And maybe I'm an idiot, but I always have. I try to get away, but I keep coming back because I love you. And that's really the fucking thesis. Like, that's where we are. I blame Jerry Maguire entirely for this kind of trope because these scenes, a dime a dozen now. You had me at hello, like after a big, long speech. It's just like, ugh. So... Uh, the thing is, like, even though it is very sort of like the final speech in a rom-com of like, I've always loved you. I wrote you every day for a year. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it, I think what Charlie says is like really true. I think Marnie rings yeah. disingenuous at this point or else she's just sort of trying to like cling to something stable. Mm-hmm. And I do think, I think his, what he says is valid. that. To me, if like thinking about it in the context of, you know, this show is about a group of girls and their friendship and the lives that they, the lives uh, that that unfold. I think we've seen this happen, right? Where Mm -hmm. like we've seen friends get back together where it's like, oh man, really? And the way it's framed to the audience, to both of our references to rom-coms is in theory, like what I think again, to compliment Lena Dunham is she combines that feeling that we're so familiar with of feeling like, Oh, these are two people that should not be together. This is, this is an UG with a rom-com like, fuck. Yeah. Like get the girl. Like this is so romantic, mm. like trope and yeah, the juxtaposition. Yeah. And like, that's like really well done that like, we're sort of left with this, like, what are we supposed to want here? And in a way that's really true to life. We're like, I've, I've certainly felt that before where it's like, I've been faced with somebody who's like telling me the right things. And like, I think it's probably the wrong thing to respond to it in a certain way. But I'm like, this is what I was like said I wanted to hear. And here we are. You know, I I know, I know that tension. What you just said 
reframed how I'm now looking back at this episode. Because I think when you look at it as a sort of wry commentary on that rom-com ending, it kind of does fit because it's showing you all these people in severe states of like personal crises. And then they have their like kiss at the end fireworks moment, obviously aside from like the Ray and Shoshana breakup. Right. But I mean, she has a kiss make out moment. It's just not with Ray. That's true. Go girl. You know, you have yours, but um, anyway, (laughs) yeah. Like, Marnie and um, Charlie have their kiss outside and it's like after some I love you's Adam whisks Hannah into his arms. So I think you're totally on to something about that weird comparison between the rom-com Hollywood ending and the reality and tactical nature of like the plot points and how it's really been kind of a downer of a season. I, and I hadn't, until you said that, I had not thought about how it applied to Hannah as well. I think that's a good point. So then, really just, I guess, quickly, the only more we see of Marnie is she like, this further solidifies Marnie as a worse person than Hannah. Uh-huh. It, it, where, I'm sorry, if you know your friend is likely in like severe distress and you like ignore the fact that they are probably hiding from you and you just take, what does she take, a menorah? Yeah, and I don't know why she's taking it. It doesn't make sense. Makes no sense. Anyway, I thought that was bad. Oh, I guess the one important part about that scene is that she sees Hannah's laptop and the words she's typed are, a friendship between college girls is grander and more dramatic than any romance. Which is, I like that. But wouldn't, if you just read that, like, be empowered to, like, say, Hannah, I know you're there. Come out. Yes. Yes. It makes what Marnie does psycho surely the box of cool whip half eaten on the counter and like shit strewn around like that's not an indicator that hannah's in there hiding yeah and we know that despite their troubles they know each other really well like remember you know she's marnie can says to her like this is not one of your more convincing fake showers like she like she knows Mm -hmm. hannah well and Mm -hmm. there's no world where i buy that she like doesn't suspect what's going on here yeah Anyway, she doesn't want to know. She she doesn't have the energy to get in there. She has her own like happy ending now and mm-hmm. has checked out of others. Mm-hmm. So let's just quickly go through Ray's insanity here. He marches into Grumpy's and says that he would like to finish his PhD in Latin studies because his girlfriend is complaining about his ambition. And Hermes like do anything else. <laughs> And he has a very funny little line here, having met Shoshana and she had a purse shaped like a croissant and her goal will be to keep buying purses shaped like different bread products, (laughs) Uh, which relatable and pivots Ray into being the um, manager in charge of opening a second location of Grumpy's and Ray insists that it has to be at some with some made up title that will impress Shoshana. Yes. This is what Shoshana asked him to think about, though, like however many episodes back. Right. Which is, I think, to what we were saying earlier, ties into our idea that, and she says it, that it's not about the job. She wants him to want it. And the fact is, he still doesn't want it. He wants Shoshana. Yeah. He's just trying to find something to keep her. And I actually really, so let's let's just wrap their storyline, actually. So now I'm just totally fucking with the format here, but whatever. She says she's excited for him, but this isn't working. And he says, are you breaking up with me? She says, no, not exactly. And I I, I noted, just fucking say yes. Yeah, she's really dragging it out. Yeah. She says, I love you so much, but I love you in the way that I feel sorry for a monkey. Like they need help and are in such an ugly cage. This is like, oh my God. Keep that to to yourself. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. That's bad. That said, like, I know the type of man she is describing. Mm -hmm. I do believe like, you know, you can have relationships and friendships with people that are like fixer uppers. That might not be Mm -hmm. like no one is perfect. And if you like wait to be a perfect person or like wait for somebody to be perfect, then like life's going to pass you by. But I don't think 
you can view a person as like a teardown. Not everyone is emotionally equipped to handle a gut renovation. Yes. I'm not, frankly. Oh my God. Like my friends that have gotten homes and renovated them, I'm like, fucking hell, man. She does say something that's really interesting that I think is is like the core of what she believes, where she says something to the effect of like, I still need a few years to be ready to handle someone like you and your like dark soul. And I can't do that right now. Yeah. So in a few years, like I'll be ready and you'll still be dark or something like that. And maybe we'll like be able to find love again. Yeah. I thought that was actually the core of what's actually true and going on in her mind. Yeah. I think that's a really good point. I agree with you. I did like the detail of he's accusing her of having someone else. And she says, especially not an adult male blonde. (laughs) You know me better than that. And she screams at him that he needs therapy. I like that. He does need therapy. He definitely does. They're broken up. He storms out dragging his Andy Kaufman like cutout. Yeah. And she goes to a bar and makes out with an adult male blonde, I think. Yes. Correct. Rewinding. Hannah um, eats Cool Whip from the tub and tears at a magazine, which we later learn is a picture of... That's Audrey Hepburn, right? I think so. Yeah, I think so. I don't remember. Where she starts cutting her own hair, which I did, I have to say, is so obviously a wig. <laughs> like it's sitting on her head. It would be a crime to make her cut her hair like that. Yeah. So. Or because God forbid there's like a retail, like you would have to do it in one take if it was her real hair. And then cut to Laird fixing it, which is insane. And this was my cuckoo bananas moment because I do think she is really fucking awful to him. Yeah, so rude. Yeah, so rude. And good for Laird for, like, sticking up for himself. Oh, a couple funny things from the scene, though. I do like how she said that she's feeling a bit frail and hasn't been eating, so she's scary thin. (laughs) Like, we've all been there. (laughs) Oh, my God. Like, I've had a head cold for a day and have only had some bone broth, so if I'm, like, really thin. And then I actually thought the glass-breaking analogy was, like, a really exceptional analogy. The exactly what she says is like, you know how when like if you break a glass and your dad is like, stand back and they like sweep up all the glass for you. No one's doing that anymore. And Laird says, I know I cut myself all the time cleaning up glass. We all consume shows at various like times in our life when things like feel, you know, more or less apt. And that analogy, I think, like really like hit me right now in the sense that like Mm -hmm. and I understand why it's why Hannah uses it. It's that like. You know, I live alone. I'm very independent. I'm like single. All of my, I don't have siblings or family nearby. I don't have siblings, period. And I don't have family nearby. And I am required to clean up my own glass or else it will remain on the floor. Mm -hmm. And like, I frequently think like what I would give for somebody to clean up the glass. Like I totally, totally know. Mm -hmm. I totally feel this. I know because it gets exhausting to have to never... Like, it's a luxury to have someone you can, like, delegate something to when you don't have the energy to do something emotionally and physically. I think what Lena Dunham is quite talented at doing in her writing is she writes these metaphors that are very simple, but that doesn't mean that they're not complex. Mm -hmm. So the glass metaphor is, like, an immediate muscle memory, I think for most kids, like I think everyone in their lifetime has like dropped something glass and it's shattered. Yeah. And so that's like an immediate thing you understand. And it's really tough to write stuff like that. That's very simply stated, but immediately imparts the emotional meaning you're, you're looking for. Yeah. In the exercise of, to it, in the exercise of doing this rewatch, I do think something I'm appreciating more is I think I'm, you know, I I think in our 30s, like we're probably just like better critical thinkers about like media. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we both have like, we've watched more shows, we've read more books where we like, you know, yeah, I probably watch more Real Housewives. So who's to say, (laughs) but (laughs) no, it's all it's all building the foundation. Yeah, exactly. And Laird here calls her out. So yeah. She like falls down. She's like, says she's feeling faint and falls down. And he says, he kind of leans over her, obviously to help and says, do you need a doctor? And she says, Laird, please be reasonable. I don't have the strength to fight you off. I like let you, this is so fucked. It's so fucked. Like get over yourself, Hannah. Truly. And like, these are the moments where I'm like, okay, the like self-involved accusations Mm -hmm. are well-deserved. 
And he calls her that as well. He says, you're self-involved and presumptuous. I had feelings for you until I realized how rotten you are. And I feel like rotten is actually a term that like that's been thrown around before where Mm. it's George that calls her like, you are not a sweet girl. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and Laird calls her sweet, I think, in that episode. I Am think I so, too. Yeah. yeah. So there's this sort of, like, it's her parlance for kind of, like, good versus evil. Like, are you sweet or are you rotten? Um, yeah. Well, it's like the apple. The apple's rotting. Oh, Sarah Beth. Great call. Love that. There you go. And then we see her. So we see Hannah back in bed. And mm-hmm. where she's leaving a pretty funny, angry voice, screaming voicemail to Jessa. Yeah, this made me sad, this scene. Really sad. Yeah. And this is sort of what I'm saying by, like, she just, like, she really, she really, like, needs someone to see her. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why I find, like, the the subsequent, like, Adam scene to be so powerful. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, and also, I mean, again, to commend Lena Dunham's performance, this, I mean, this scream monologue is, like, really great. I think it's like very sweet that she screams, you're off living it up, forgetting about everyone who is fucking it up here. Love you. <laughs> oh. uh. It's interesting. I think that, you know, she says, who am I supposed to talk to? And she says, anorexic Marnie, which doesn't age well. Um, show. And then I think she says, fucking Shosh. I cut off all my hair, etc." And I think that, this also reveals that, like, because Hannah and Jessa, I think the lore is that they've, like, known each other for a very long time, right? They grew up, did they grow up together? Or did they also meet in college? I think they, they also in all, college. Yeah, you're right. In real life, Lena Dunham and Jemima Kirk knew each other growing up. Thank you. Okay, that's what I'm conflating. Because there is some, like, what I get from that is Hannah saying to Jessa, they won't understand me like you do. Mm. And that, you know, you're the person who is going to hear and like understand what this experience is like for me, what it means to like what it means that I'm cutting off all my hair, that like everything is fucked and that like she won't get what she needs from these other people. Mm -hmm. It's very sad. And like Jessa is a fucking flop as a friend. Yeah. I do think there's some truth to that, though, that um, Marnie will never reveal her true vulnerabilities to Lena. Yes. To Lena, to to Hannah. And then I also think like Jessa is one of the few that would understand kind of the depths of desperation that Hannah's feeling. But the problem is Jessa has her own crises right now. And Hannah, for as much as she's accusing Jessa of disappearing, also like Hannah has no idea what jessa's going through as well yeah partly for jessa's own you know behavior like she just yeah she just dipped so like that's jessa's fault but still yeah so adam is just like breaking shit um yeah when hannah was that his boat he's building yeah that's going to sink as it sails hannah facetimes him which she claims she didn't mean to Uh uh-huh and he initially starts sort of gruff where he says what do you want but then realizes that things are not well and this is the reveal that he knows about her ocd exactly yes i which i love and because she ticks and he says is that still going on the stuff from high school the ocd shit what did you just do and she's like i didn't do anything and he says i can see you (laughs) (laughs) which i did enjoy yeah and then this is where, like, I really, really, like, completely fell apart. Where she says, I'm drowning, I'm scared. That's so sad. It's so sad. I think, like, what also, like, I think really works about this, at least for me personally, is wanting, she clearly wants this so badly for mm-hmm. him to come to her, to have somebody, mm-hmm. like I said, see her, care for her, not dismiss, like, the wounds that she's experiencing. Mm-hmm. And yet she cannot like help herself where he says, I'm coming to you. Don't move. I'm coming right now. She says, please don't worry about me. Mm. And like that tension where as he's running through the streets, just still like she's resisting. I don't know what to think about that. I think she still has her guard up a little bit. Like she can't trust that someone's actually going to be there for her. 
I will say, even though I did just say Adam is a billowing red flag, him running through the streets without a shirt on is is quite attractive. This was the <laughs> hottest montage I've ever seen. He's like sweaty in a good way, you know? This was like everything to me. Where he runs through the city, <laughs> literally busts down her door, because like I said, to the end, she cannot accept this help. Mm-hmm. And... I love how, like, it's so simple. She just says, you're here. And, like, that to me really says it all. Like, no one else is fucking there. He's there. He's the only one there. Yes. Yeah. And I sobbed. Great music choice. They kiss. Presumably him and Natalia will be broken up. (laughs) Presumably. Yeah. And to your point about kind of like a or the point we both made um, last week about like a parasitic relationship is that like, she is now buoyed like this will save her and reset her and, Mm -hmm. and him too. mm -hmm. And we'll, I mean, we'll see, hopefully it doesn't like drag him down. We'll find out, but that's true. Yeah. TBD. Um, (laughs) No spoilers. I, I haven't, I haven't watched. I genuinely don't know. Again, I think there's like a lot of play with like, how a certain like season starts ends like mirroring mm-hmm. and like at the end of the first season he was physically he was hit by a bus or mm-hmm. clipped by a vehicle of some kind and yeah. she then felt very responsible to him at the start of season mm-hmm. two where she was taking care of him and certainly certainly adam is not the you know she for all intents and purposes is not the cause of him getting hit by a car of course but you know yeah. she was a factor i suppose like the fight was relevant mm-hmm. he is not at all the cause of what's going on here but i do think he has that like sense of duty of he is like going to care for her mental health and so i think that that will be it's like you know a reversed dynamic to start yeah. the next season. I was going to say I my memory now of like watching this live becomes a little bit hazier and I think from this point on from season 3 I was way less of a committed every week watching it. Yep. I think season 3 was the last season I really watched it through but I was not like edge of my seat waiting week to week like I would watch it and then not watch it for a while. So it's interesting to me to think about going forward what that's going to be like playing into my memory. Yeah, agreed. Um, This is where I definitely, the, it was losing its luster, I would say. And I think for me, I I certainly remember Fran. And that's not for a while. There was definitely a point where I feel like collectively, a lot of people like stopped watching the show. Mm -hmm. And then it like, got good again. Mm, maybe that's what Quote I'm unquote, it yeah. got good again. And then people started watching it again. So I think that potentially is what happened. I just don't remember. Yeah. Cause there are like certain plot points that I remember quite clearly, but I remember the workshop, which yes. is not till later. I think that's going to come up. That's, I think the next big thing that happens for her. Yeah. And it's interesting. So like last time we talked about, you know, what do we kind of like want for them for season three? Like, where do we go from here? It's a little tricky because like, I now know some stuff that happens in the sense that like, I know that this is where Chris Abbott, the guy who plays Charlie is like, I'm out. And so like, I know that Mm -hmm. Marnie starts this. I I don't know what else is going on for her, but like, I know that she is single and for the start of season three, but like, that wasn't really the, I don't think the goal of the plot. Where do you, where do you want your girls to go next season? I would like. I would like Marnie to get some like footing. And I actually almost wonder if like getting rid of that actor just coincidentally will kind of help that because she won't have the will they won't they Charlie anymore to fall back on. And so I would love to see her get a job that actually that kind of like suits her talents and feels like something that like she's working towards. That said, I think actually at this point is when she really starts just leaning into the music. Mm-hmm. So I think it might just go in that direction, which is insane. But here we go. I hope Hannah goes to therapy and takes her medication and does her pages and gets an ebook. Mm-hmm. As we know, it won't be that simple, but that'd be the dream. I want Shosh to, you know, taste the flavors of the rainbow. I would like Jessa to get some goddamn responsibility. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Those sense. are my thoughts. I largely agree. Do you want me to do emails quickly? Uh, yeah, let's do emails. Okay, great. We got two very nice emails this week. One is from 
Jody. Hello, Jody. And it says, do you guys have a social media account for the pod? Or perhaps do you have an option to watch the episodes visually? I found your podcast through the girls subreddit. Thank you for spreading the good word. And I'm just trying to figure out how people found out about this. <laughs> because I can't seem to find any advertising for your pod anywhere online. Thanks so much for making this podcast. I've giggled alongside you guys so much. I love this oh email. <laughs> it really makes me laugh. Because it's so Indeed. true. How do people find us, Rourke? I do not know. I don't know, but I love the grassroots. I, the girls subreddit keep work doing work. Um, grassroots support. Um, I've gotten some friends and I don't know, word of mouth. How does any podcast get started? Yeah, I think to answer the question, though, we're doing this for ourselves. And we thought it might be interesting for other people to listen. But, you know, we this isn't a side hustle. So you know yeah there there will never be advertising like we're not trying to monetize no um, absolutely yeah not. there's no monetization yeah. i actually heard somebody i meant to tell you this i was listening to a podcast uh, not ours and somebody and a girl on it was talking about like the value of book clubs and how like she loves to read but it's so much more enjoyable when you can kind of like process it with other people and i think yes. like that's why we like doing this we're like it's fun mm -hmm. to rewatch a show but it's kind of more fun to like have a fulsome discussion with you. Yeah. Anyway, so that's my thought. I also feel like our friendship has been like deepened in a different way than normally just like catch ups over like coffee or drinks. Totally. And agree. this has been fun. Yeah, it's really fun. Um, we did get one more email from um, someone named Pascal. Hello, Pascal. Yes. Um, Pascal says, I'm a new listener. I just found out about you this much. This woo, And just found out about you all this month and love so much of what you all do. I've been a longtime girls lover and y'all analyze the show in a way I've been looking for forever as a 32 year old who was the same age as the characters when the show first came out. Boom. Our premise. I really appreciate the way you talk about the episodes and the characters and themes. Just want to know y'all have a fan in me. So nice. So nice. Really thoughtful. So sweet. Yeah. Well, we enjoy doing it and thanks for laughing. Thanks for lolling. Thanks for the giggles. And then we'll, um, I don't, we don't need to take, I think our lives are together enough where we don't have to take a break between season two and season three. So we'll see you next yes. week for season three, episode one. Dun, dun, dun. It's called Females Only. Ooh. I hate when people, instead of saying women, they say females. I feel like it's a, it's not a dog whistle, but it's usually an indicator that uh, someone does not think women are equal to men. Yeah. What about like, Girly girls only. Gilly gals. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> girls, girls. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, have a great night and I'll talk to you next week. All right. Talk to you later.